Yo, we're back. Post episode 100. This is awesome. I'm really happy to keep this thing trucking along. We traveled to Chicago to talk to Nick from Numerality Zine. He works with so many awesome bands. Shout out and on end. Soulblind, System 74, Rule Them All, Sweet Soul. So many cool bands. So if you guys aren't familiar, he's based out of Chicago. He does awesome stuff, has his own merch, puts out bands records and does awesome zines. So I had a really great time talking to him. We actually veered off and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but you'll get there eventually. We talk a lot about Disney. Surprising, right? Somebody uh, talking to Jamie ends up talking about Disney for a while, but it's all right because it, it's fun I love Disney. I miss it. Uh, I'm on vacation still, but I'm out here still putting in work for you guys. And I, I literally can't wait to get back to Disneyland. But I had a really great time talking to Nick. Super awesome guy. I love what he's doing for the scene. I love what he's doing out in Chicago. And I hope you guys check him out, support everything that he does because he's working hard. And I just had a really great time talking to him. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. So please, without further ado, welcome Nick to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hello. Hey, uh, do you want to introduce yourself to, to the fans? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my name is Nick. Uh, Nick Brooks, I do a zine and small independent label called New Morality Zine. Uh, based out of Chicago currently. Okay. And based out of Chicago, you spent some time in uh, Seattle and Denver? Yep. Yeah. So I grew up in Colorado and then I went to uh, Seattle for college and then I moved to New York for three years and then to Chicago. So I've kind of bounced around quite a bit, um, which is, which is cool because I feel like I have, you know, like friends are sitting in each of those different places, which is always nice. And when you were traveling between all those places, were you always involved in hardcore? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I got into hardcore like, in high school-ish uh, while living in Colorado. So there was quite a bit of a scene in Colorado when I lived there. And then definitely when I moved to Seattle, you're not too much younger than I am, I don't think. So I think, and you're on the West Coast. So a lot of things are kind of popping around like those early 2000s and mid-2000s. Um, so definitely involved in hardcore and stuff when I lived out there in Seattle. And what uh, years were you in Colorado? Up until the year 2000, I want to say. Yeah, I think, yeah, numbers are hard for me, but I think it's around 2000 when I graduated high school. Okay, because there's uh, this band from Colorado back in the day. They're called Fight Like Hell. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. I do, yeah. I'm familiar with them. 
Okay. I was like a huge fan and it was like really strange because oh, okay. my buddy, uh, Stephen Kibble, who I've mentioned it on here before, he booked their old band in the crosshairs, um, in Palm Springs when I used to live out there. And I, I saw them. And then when they came through with their new band, Fight Like Hell, I was like instantly like a fan. I it's made it a true, point yeah. to like go to every like Southern California show, a couple Arizona shows and a Vegas show, like whenever they would tour through here, just because I was just so into yeah. that band. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Familiar with that. I remember the shows were, uh, they were also on the bill and stuff too. And I think at that time it was more into like, you know, more punk or street punk. And also like, there was a lot of melodic kind of post hardcore coming out of Colorado at the time. Uh, that I was really into. But then there was like, obviously, Bills were like, you know, finally like Tyler Player and the Crosses was up with Player. Um, so I'm familiar with all those. Okay. That's pretty awesome. It was, and honestly, that was the only time that I've ever been to denver was uh for fight like hell's last show because like seeing them so many times i ended up making friends oh, with shit. the okay. dudes in the bands and for their last show they like invited me and a couple friends to go out there and i was like hell yeah this is cool uh, it's, it's cool that they're inviting us sad that they're breaking up but i was like i was no, there's no way we were going to miss that and it was like me and two other friends we drove from southern california all the way Holy to shit. denver it was like it was yeah it was like a 16 17 hour drive like yeah, both yeah. like both ways it was insane yeah yeah where, where was the last show do you remember uh, the venue at all? i think it was called uh i want to say the the marquee maybe okay yeah that makes sense yeah okay yeah it was yeah, just yeah. yeah it was like uh just a, from what i remember it was like a nice venue yeah that is that's like one of the like when i was growing up too like a lot of the bigger shows like the marquee the Ogden, the bluebird um so those are like some of the bigger venues and stuff and they i mean colorado now too has definitely got a quite a bit of a scene going on which is cool because every time i go back which is not super often I try and go to shows. So like the last time I went, uh, I guess I went to the style, but that was a, a really good show in Colorado. But there's a couple cool spots too and some rap bands like that band um, Fame from Colorado, F-A-I-M. Uh, really sick band on Convulsion Records and a couple other good ones right now, which is cool. Okay. And you went to school in Seattle after your stint in Colorado? Yeah, yeah. I went to, to school in Seattle right on Capitol Hill. Like, I've been to Seattle right up of Broadway with a school called Seattle University. Um, so, like, right in, like, Capitol Hill, which is, like, a really trendy kind of, like, eclectic neighborhood, uh, which now is just, like, overrun with, like, tech burden and stuff. It's totally changed. It's just super unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, so I was there for four years. And that's, like, where I met a lot of my, like, really, really close and good friends that I'm still friends with. And, I really got into like, you know, the, the, the hardcore scene there. And on your, like, before you moved out there, did you have like an idea of like what was going on in that area? Like when, like in terms of hardcore? I think like vaguely, um, you know, I had some of the bands like Stay Gold and stuff like that. Like, uh, obviously like, um, not him, but like, um, some of the other bands and stuff like that. Like, Timothy was a big one too at the time. But so there was some reflection of the bands that were going on around that time. But I mean, Seattle has such a history of hardcore, you know. So it's like you go out there, like, oh shit, 
there's all these bands from here, all these great fucking bands. And it was really good at the time, too, like the mid-2000s, all of the good stuff that was kind of coming around, like Go It Alone and, you know, Blue Monday, all those bands. Yeah, when I think of Seattle, like Blue Monday, Champion, Furious Styles, those are like the bands that come to mind for me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those all definitely ring a bell. Um, yeah, Seattle had a had a great team uh, when I was up there, which is really cool. I'm, I'm like very appreciative of having had that experience because I'm like, I think that was like, in Colorado, I definitely knew a lot of the bands. I went to shows as much as I could, but I wasn't like old enough to really like continuously do it or be active. Um, so it was cool when I was like in school in Seattle being able to do that and made a lot of good friends. And what were you going to college for? I was getting my bachelor's for teaching. So I was a humanities for teaching major uh, when I was studying there. There were like tutoring and stuff. Um, and so I'm a teacher now, so I purposely went for my bachelor's in education. Okay, that's super awesome. And you went from Denver to Seattle, then you said New York? Yeah, so I did. When I graduated from uh, college, I had the option of either staying at going to my master's in the education department or I was looking into a program called Teach for America and I opted into Teach for America. So I went to New York, uh, like that's what that's my place that was. So I went to New York, lived in New York City for three years and I taught two years in the South Bronx and then one year in Brooklyn. Okay. And so you said you got placed in New York. What were some other places that you could have ended up? Oh man, they're they're all over. I'm trying to remember if it's like click. Uh, I, I I'm sure it clicks probably like the Bay Area because that was also like when I was living in Seattle. I was like, well, that could be a good option to go to. Uh, but it was like New York was my top preference. I think Bay Area was my second, and I don't remember what my third was. So I was kind of lucky enough to get New York, and that's actually where my parents are from before they moved to Colorado. It was kind of like a, it felt like a coming home of sorts, kind of when I was. Uh, going to live out there okay and so yeah when you were living in denver uh, did your parents leave after you left no they stayed, they stayed in colorado so they lived like fuck like 45 minutes south of denver kind of halfway between denver and colorado Springs. okay um so that's another reason too like whether or not i live so far from like denver proper um so it made it difficult to go to shows but now again like Colorado Springs too has a very like happening hardcore scene, which is really cool. There's a venue there called the Black Sheep um, that a bunch of people run. It seems like they're always like hosting really good shows coming through the through the springs and stuff, which is really cool. So my parents still live out there, so again, like when I do go back, I, I try to go to shows, but it hasn't been as frequent going back as I as normal. And when you were in New York, were you? Um involved in the scene at all or, or were you like just really focused on uh teaching yeah yeah i mean i would go to shows again as often as possible i knew i knew a bunch of people that played in bands and made a lot of friends there uh but i wasn't like a you know i wasn't doing a zine or doing a label or anything like that so i wasn't like an active participant i guess you could say but it was like you know go to shows at the kid shop went to a lot of shows at 530 johnson um you know, whenever, whenever things were happening, I could go with other hard. Like, first year teaching was fucking brutal. Second year teaching was <laughs> equally as brutal. So it was like, when there's a research, like, oh, really, do I have to go? But it's like, 
you know, you kind of have to know if it's like friends going through or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of really good shows that I remember kind of happening while I lived there. And after New York, um, how'd you end up on choosing to end up in Chicago? I met a girl, man. Oh, I met a girl. Okay. Yeah. So I met her through the teacher at the program. Um, and pretty early on, she was like, yeah, just so you know, like, I'm going to move back to Chicago. And of course, I was like, oh, yeah, when I went to school, like, I'm dating. Like, this is so much fun. And then, well, no, you know, kind of, uh, kind of, not kind of. I definitely fell in love. And then she wanted to move closer to home. And I was fine moving away from York. Uh, and so I had never really been to Chicago, but her family seriously moved here. And it's been, damn, it's already nine years, like ninth year, tenth year here. Kind of lost count. Oh wow! So it's you been a while. you were like super de- like dedicated. You were down to move to Chicago for her. Yep, yep. So we uh we we got engaged my last year in work, and then we moved here, and so been here ever since. Okay, and uh, that's a pretty uh, substantial amount of time. I uh, currently live in Orange County, and I moved there. Uh, it's it's going to be ten years, so I feel like uh, okay, the, well, the length yeah. you've lived in Chicago is like just about the same time that I've spent in Orange County. Yeah, where were you living before Orange County? Uh, grew up in the Palm Springs area. Okay, okay, cool, cool. I'm actually going out to Palm Springs for a wedding like in the spring but um that, that's cool that, that's crazy and are, are they friends from out there or friends that live out in california it's like it's like my wife's cousin who lives here but they wanted a destination wedding okay so so it kind of sucks because fuck man like of course it's during like a, there's a tennis tournament or something oh yes uh, it's like at the height of like spring break or whatever so it's like the tickets are insanely expensive and so it's kind of been like a a little more like, contentious because they're just like, this sucks that those people are from Chicago, but they're doing a destination wedding in Palm Springs and we're spending this much money to go to the wedding. Um, but you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. Yeah. I, I find that really interesting. Like I, I just had some really awesome friends from, uh, Colorado, they actually live in like downtown Denver. They, oh, okay. actually, yeah, they actually got married in Palm Springs. And I remember, they were uh, doing like a trip down the um, West coast and just trying to find like a good venue for the wedding. And just by chance, yeah. they decided on Palm Springs and like, like internally I was so happy because like I was willing to travel to go to their <laughs> wedding just because I, yeah, they're yeah. like really awesome people. But when they, uh, uh, you know, sent out the, like the invitation and I got it and, uh, it was Palm Springs. I was just like secretly so happy. Cause I was like, Oh cool. Like I don't have to like, uh, you know, put too much into the travel to get there yeah. or even like a place to stay. Cause I could just went and stayed with my parents or I still have like friends that live awesome. out there. And yeah, it was just, it was just really awesome. Vacation out of it. Uh, yeah, it was just like a real, just like uh, awesome trip. So I, I, and for me, like, I felt like really like comfortable cause everything was so familiar for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually never even been to Palm Springs, so I'm kind of excited to go. Right? It's been like a short trip, but which also sucks. It's like, like this is a, a good opportunity where it's like, if you're going to go somewhere, you know, take a day or two, maybe like try and find a show or whatever it is, but it's like, it's going to be a quick trip. So I won't have time to do a show, but I love doing that one. like, you're visiting family, like, exactly, exactly, like, going out to Colorado, and it's like, well, if I'm going to be here for a week and a half, like, might as well see what shows are going on or whatever it is, you know? 
Yeah, I, I just did that. Um, I was on vacation in Florida, and it just so happens yeah, yeah. there was a, the point of contact record release, and I, I managed to find a friend that was traveling to the show just to pick me up on the way, and things worked out, and it was kind of cool because I was like, oh, like it was like unexpected, but it was also something very different from what I was doing like out in Florida, and it was, it was definitely a great experience. That's awesome. Who the bill was pretty stacked for that. It was like. It was a point of contact. Uh, it, it was um, envision. No, not 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 envision. Excuse me. It oh, was okay. uh, see the pain, be all, end all, okay. burning strong, and point of contact headline. And I think that might have been. Oh no! And three knee deep played. Okay, Magnitude didn't play then, right? My my that. No, they played. Oh okay. Oh okay. Sick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a pretty fucking rad bill, dude. Florida is. Awesome. I, that's like a scene that it just seems like it's, they have a lot of things going like this really well for them. Um, and they're doing a great job. I'm actually going, again, going on vacation to Florida, but on the opposite coast of where all of the action seems to be happening. So I'm bummed. One day I'll go and I'll go with Miami on that side and just go to some shows. Yeah, I talked to like uh, some of the friends that I have down there and they actually were mentioning that that show was like a good one to go to because I got to see like real representation of Florida hardcore because they have FYA, but Fest, it's kind of hard to see like what the scene's really like just because there's so many bands traveling in and people coming from all over. It's not like, you know, the normal scene. So I I was happy that I was able to uh, experience that moment and see what it's like really like down there. That is really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm dying to go to a show down there just because there, there are so many bands that I just truly do enjoy. So at some point, yeah, I I feel like um in like every different part of like Florida, there's good bands. Yep, that's really cool. And you you did a, so you just did a lot of traveling, right? You were in Florida, and then were you just in Florida? Yeah, well, yeah, just Florida. Honestly, okay. like I I don't do like a whole lot of traveling. Like it's if I do travel, it's normally me going to like some sort of uh, Disney park. I was just gonna say you're you're a Disney person, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the reason why I went out there. Like, um, my my friends and I do like an annual Halloween trip to Walt Disney World. Oh shit! Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something uh cool to look forward to. Like at, at the end of every October. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's really cool. So in Chicago, I'm just real curious, like. What sparked you to start a new morality zine? Yeah. Well, uh, I had, I had wanted to start a band, um, as, as, as so many people do. And of course, as so many other people know, it, it was very short lived. We kind of like, it was a couple of guys I had met once they moved here. And some of them were friends, like connections, people I had knew in New York. Um, we practiced a couple of times and we were like, all right, let's record a demo. This will be really good. And everybody moved away. <laughs> um, so then I was just kind of like, it was one summer, you know, I was just kind of sitting around the world. Can't start a band. And a band is hard to manage because we're with so many different people and you're dependent on so many different, so many different timetables. I was like, oh, let's do a zine. Um, so just listening to Burn one night, as as everyone should be, if you're not, you too. Um, but I was just listening to New Morality. I'm like, fuck, these lyrics are so good. 
decided to list the name straight from that song. So started the zine that summer and dude, that already now is almost seven years. So it's been a while too. So only like two years after I lived here, two or three years. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. Yeah, and, and did you, the zine kind of started. And when you started it, did you have like some like grand vision on where you wanted to, to take it, or were you just like doing like kind of like one step at a time? Yeah, not, yeah, definitely not a clue. Just kind of one step at a time. Um, I had, I you know, still don't know. Like everything is just kind of happens, which is cool. But um, at that point, for sure, it was kind of like, all right, I'll do this issue one, kind of see what happens. Um, and then I'm, I'm always ragging on zines that only do one issue. So then like, luckily one kind of like caught enough steam and then decided to do two. And so just kind of kept going from there. And were you just distributing the V or the, the zines at shows or were you just selling them online? Yeah. Online shows. There's a place, uh, in the city in Chicago called Quimby's. It's in New York now, but it's like a, it's like a specialty store just for like, independent like writing and zines and stuff so they they carry them and stuff when i was like really like pumping out zines which is really cool because it's like a it's a cool spot they have like a small music like hardcore zine collection so most of it is just like you know tutorial stuff or like stuff about uh, like the game community and just lots of like variation in the types of zines and stuff that they have and we just like drop off like a stack for them and would they just like sell them or would the people just go there just to read it like a library? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can sell them there on consignment. So you can drop off like five at a time or whatever. And then they take like a cut of whatever. Sells and just with it. Um, so it's really cool. because like, it's a cool spot because like it's your name out there and like people are always kind of in and out. It's been, it's in a pretty popular neighborhood called Wicker Park. Um, so it's like people are in and out all the time and it's like a cool little spot to hang out so people will do like you know they'll just sit there for a while and just read shit um and they do a lot of like cool zine stuff they help with the big like zine fest in chicago they do a thing in the winter it's called a, a slumber party with a z so like you go and you the store closes at like 10 or whatever and then you like you're not locked in but you like opt in to stay inside all night and like there's a bunch of other zines and stuff there working on zines and just like hanging out all night and shit. It's pretty cool. And when you did the first one and you saw that it was gaining some traction, like how far in between until the second one came out? Cause uh, do you have it on a schedule or are you just kind of um, putting them out when you can? I thought I was going to do the schedule, uh, but it didn't, didn't end up that way. It was just kind of like whenever I can. So after the first, the second one came out, I think the first issue came out uh, during the summer. Then the second issue came out sometime like that spring. Um, God, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that spring. Actually, it's uh, <laughs> my wife was in labor and I was getting ready to finish issue two. So one of the nights we were in the hospital, I was like, I'm going to go make copies of the zine. So she definitely like holds that against me a little bit. But uh, yeah, so it was that spring issue two came out. Okay, dang. You're really committed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah I, I am committed. Which is like, I know these things do, like, I'm lucky, lucky enough to have like, a partner who's super, like, okay with me doing this. I'll do it sometimes, but if I take away time, like, like right now, I just got done. Today, we were, like, doing Christmas decorations, and I'm in my car right now, and I was on the way to my surgery to grab more LP mailers 
I was like, I'll just park and talk and drink a coffee. Let me do this. Okay. And uh, when you're putting these zines together, like, do you want to focus more on like interviews or like record reviews? Yeah. So it's actually, uh, no, I, I like held off on doing reviews. I even mentioned this in one of the issues I did because like, like who the fuck cares about my opinion, I guess, about what I think about a record. Because again, like, I don't play an instrument, so it could be really, really well done or not really well done, but it's not just, like the emotion I have attached to the music. So I feel sometimes like when I read a review, it's like, well, that's a good review, but is it for me? I have no idea. So I, I've held off on doing reviews for that reason. Um, but it's been like fan interviews. I've had people like write articles um, about a bunch of different stuff. Um, so like I had a really good friend who talked about it his time kind of like living through the traumas, like being with you and how that kept them kind of quiet for so long. And then other people writing just about like their kind of scenes and stuff like that. So it's been a, quite a bit of variation in what goes into it. Um, but I try to keep in mind, like the, a big thing with me and like a big thing with my zine is like, there should always be some sort of like socially conscious aspect to what I do. Um, so like every zine every now and then I'll be like an article about like, you know, what does it mean to be like accepting of all people? And it sounds like that sounds like so weird and broad and generic, but like trying to incorporate more things that get people to think versus just kind of like preaching to the choir. So sometimes the choir needs preaching too, um, if that makes sense. So there's always kind of like a, an underlying tone, I think, to like what I do or the bands I work with or like the things I put out. You know, I, I think it's cool that, that you, um, make that effort to do that in your zines. And, uh, it's like somewhat like a trip for me because like, like I don't like to discriminate. I, I like to, you know, think of everybody as equal and it's, it's just still mind blowing to me that there's like people out there that, that, you know, have those weird. And I, I think it's weird that people like, you know, will hate like somebody just because of like, you know, them being different it's just still so so strange to me maybe it's like the way i was raised yeah yeah it's it's weird man like and again it's hard because i a big reason why i love hardcore so much is like a lot of it has taught me to like you know to be more open-minded to to think about things from a perspective that is not one of like the mainstream and such so i think we often fall into the narrative of like well, it's broken hardcore, so therefore, like, people, these people within the scene are open-minded and whatever, that is not always the case. But I think that, like, the more we discuss that through, like, a zine or through a conversation, like, people start to learn and understand that perspective and think about how that applies to their own life. Um, I sound so much like a teacher right now, but, like, you know, that's so big, too. Like, I'm also a person who's just continuing to learn and grow about, you know, even my own identities and sort of trying to incorporate that and have people think through, like, what does it mean to have uh, like an unconscious bias? Like, like you're saying, like we all want to say we don't discriminate, but in what way do we tend to discriminate because of that bias we might have? You know what I mean? Like, how do we uncover that? Um, so yeah, so, <laughs> so like, there's always kind of under undertones of that. I think sometimes that I, I try to get deep with questions, which is cool. Um, one of the best themes you could possibly ever read is like, uh, Norman Brandon's anti-matter anthology stuff, like his question is fucking so deep and so personal, it's really, really well done, but like that's more of like 
when I hope I can get out of an interview versus kind of like the, well, uh, when did you guys start? Like, who, who writes the songs? Which is like hard to avoid those questions sometimes if you don't know the band. But um, trying to dig deeper is something that I like to do with interviews. But it's been a long time since I've done interviews, so I can't really talk about that. Yeah, uh, I I definitely get that because I, I I used to do email interviews before I started doing like the podcast form, and I would ask questions, yeah. and I would get like a an awesome answer in response, and then I would read it, and I'd be like, shit, like I wish I could get more from that, you know, like one hundred percent, yeah. But then for me, like when I was doing those, um, not that like people know me now, but, um, back then it was just like, you know, I, I felt like, uh, I was lucky enough just to get the first response. So I, I didn't want to, you know, like push my luck. So I was like, all right, yeah. I'll just settle yeah. for this for now. And, you know, maybe at some point in the future we could like revisit like that person. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Cause like sometimes it's like every now and then I'll read through, you know, it's it it's like, fuck, I wish they had asked this is like that next question. But again, like you're saying, it's hard if it's like, you're doing it in the email or whatever it is, which is obviously like the easiest way to go, <laughs> especially because transcribing an interview is a fucking bitch and it takes so long. Um, there were a couple of interviews I did like via Skype and stuff that were hours long. So trying to, trying to transcribe those like painstaking, which is like the zines alone are painstaking, let alone like then you have to transcribe a three hour interview in a month. Yeah, because that's a lot of talking to type out, and and yeah. I, I've never had to deal with that. Did you, have you ever run into like a situation where you're like transcribing and like, um, like what they were saying didn't really make sense if you were to read it, but um, if you heard it, oh, it would have yeah. made total sense. Yes, absolutely. And like, and whenever I do those, like for the you know, I never wanted to edit like what was said dramatically. Obviously, there's like I want the interviewee's response to be like one that was their own but it's like sometimes you have to reword things just so when you're reading it through it makes sense because again like it's awesome in these conversations because you can get in depth and it feels more personal but again like i mean i i probably ramble at times because people are like where the fuck did this kind of just go from talking about this to this which is like when you read it it kind of still needs to kind of flow and make sense um you know, I would get a, a little weird because I would just want to, you know, copy and paste and not edit what the person sent over just because I don't want there to ever be an issue of, you know, me exactly. like making things yeah. up. But there were, yeah, yeah. you know, some like grammatical errors. Um, yeah. But like oh. they would like send the email back and like, you know, some things weren't spelt right. Whatever, like whatever. Not a big deal. But like I would even feel weird, you know, just fixing the spelling. Yeah, man, but you got to. <laughs> I've, I've definitely gotten more interviews. I was like, and again, I teach, I teach high school reading in English. So there's been a couple times, and, and you know, my grandma and punctuation is probably not all of the best either, but I've definitely gotten somewhere I'm like, oof, I definitely need to make some edits. <laughs> okay. And how'd you decide on becoming an English teacher? Um, so I wanted to be a history teacher when I was in college and then when I did Teach for America I was placed in a special education setting so I was a learning specialist learning specialist or like special education teacher for 10 years um, but always like more recently always in like a reading classroom and then having like self-contained reading for myself so that 
I made the jump to content for the last two years. So always loved reading um, for like, obviously like the zine and stuff. So that's also been like the cornerstone of what I do. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's super awesome. And I'm just like curious about like, um, like, do you have like a certain curriculum that you have to follow or is it just like, you know, things that you, um, map out yourself? Yeah, I know. I I get to do essentially whatever I want in terms of curriculum. I obviously have like specific standards, like when I time ninth grade, it was like a lot of them was like, all right, try to align as much as you can to SAT standards because students will take that or whatever. But, uh, now that I teach seniors, I don't have to really, like follow standards, but I, I've always been able like the last 10 years to teach whatever content I want. So like right now we're reading 1984, um, which the students don't necessarily love right now. I think they will in the future. Um, but I, I get the opportunity to like make things culturally relevant to students and like maybe they can find themselves like echoed in the text that we read versus, you know, I guess Orwell is like a rare, a rarity, but I want students to also read, you know, women authors or authors of color and stuff like that. But I try to incorporate that as much as, as much as I can into my content. That's awesome. I, uh, yeah. in, in high school and, um, I don't know if I just got lucky or things just worked out in a weird way, but my freshman English teacher ended up being like my, uh, senior English teacher. So I, I got to, okay, um, yeah. yeah. So he, he kind of got to see like, you know, like us, like after we like progressed and like grew up a little and I, I just felt like he was one of the teachers that I had that like actually cared about the students, like wanted to see them mm-hmm. succeed. He wasn't just there like, you know, handing out packets and just trying to get through the day. Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like he wanted to like make an impact on our lives and actually try to, you know, That's help really us. Cool. Yeah. The, the leap from ninth to 12th is, is insane. Like I used to teach ninth grade. And so actually, and, like in your situation, I, I have that because I have kids who I taught in ninth grade and now I have them as seniors. So again, like you're saying, it's such a big jump and be able to see like, all right, now I can be more sarcastic with you and you kind of get it. Or like, now I can be a little more real with you and you definitely get it. Yeah, because they're like, you know, a year away from having to kind of jump into the real world, which yeah, is always yeah, like super yeah, strange. Yeah, it's insane. It's cool it's like, I work in a school that's part of like a network, so we have like hundreds of students. And I've worked in this school already for so many years. Like, I can go out into the city, and although it is sometimes weird, like I get, I can see students that I taught, you know, which is like a really cool experience to see like what they're doing now and shit like that. Okay, yeah, th- th- that's yeah. pretty cool, and. Man, I, I can't even imagine like seeing or like being in your position and seeing these like kids and like you know, like hoping that they make it in life because I feel like life is just so strange and like you know just like one little thing could just you know change course like you know forever and like could be bad or could be like literally the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's it's rough, man. It's definitely rough, especially in Chicago with the students uh, like that I teach. Like, who knows? Kind of, it's it's a bit of a gamble, and so hoping we do our best work to make sure it's not as much of a gamble sometimes. Okay. Man. And I have some friends who are like, like newer teachers and like, um, I guess they have to get like a new contract every year. Uh, do you like have one or like a similar like setup? Or are you like always, or are you actually like hired at that school? Like full time? Yeah. So fortunately, like I don't have 
to deal with like a yearly contract type thing, which is really cool. Okay. Uh, like another huge reason I love my school so much. So, um, I'm kind of like in it for the long haul. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot, I have like a lot of friends. My wife works at a school who like, they're on a yearly contract. So every now and then, like at the end of the year, it can get real weird. It's like, you're waiting to be told like what you're going to teach next year, which is like, I can't even imagine what that would feel like just not knowing. And so I'm lucky enough that like my school, like you, you like you did, all right. You, you're here. You do it again. You know what I mean? There's no real conversation that needs to happen unless like you want to switch like content area and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I'm like the, type of person who like wants to know or like i'll just like stress out over you know the fact Dude, until yeah. like i have like a you know clear vision of like what's to come yeah i i i would like to say i'm not an anxious person but shit like that would definitely make me anxious yeah it's, it's pretty wild um do you uh take this summer off or do you like do summer school yeah i've, I've never done summer school <laughs> Which is, you know, I think like summer school is rough, but yeah, so I usually take the summer off. I don't have a super long summer. I work at a charter school, so I get out like June, like 20th usually, and I go back August 7th, which is like really on the short end, but I get enough time to like hang on and shit. Yeah, but still, that's that's a nice chunk of time to, you know, have off of work. Yeah, yeah. Which is why like the summer, you know, kind of sitting around, I was like, well, what's I do? Oh, I can make a zine. Um, so I try and do as much as I can. And going back to your zine, at what point did you realize you wanted to start putting out bands music? Because you do have the zine and then, um, you, you started putting bands like tapes out and like records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, you know, it's like going back to this idea of like, are you, have you been an active participant in the hyper scene? like, I think, I had always been like, that would be something I would love to do. I never really thought it would come to fruition. Um, but then again, like, you know, doing the zine and looking at past examples of things like, you know, like tough skill, like indecision, like that is kind of the way a lot of the like original fan things kind of went. So that just kind of uh, took the plunge. And so I want to keep like the zine still as a part of it. I haven't done one actually since I've been releasing music. So like, that's one of my big goals for this next year is just like I've sent out interviews and I have a bunch of stuff kind of ready. It just, it takes so much time and like time where you have to sit down and like be meticulous. Cause everything I do is cut and paste versus like, I can easily fire off a couple of emails or like text, you know, text one of the dudes in the band and then that shit can kind of get rolling a little bit faster. Um, but I want to continue to do that for, yeah, so I just, ever since then, I've been trying to do both, I guess. And uh, do you ever uh, fear that the stuff that you're putting in the zine could become dated, uh, especially since you haven't put one out in so long? Yeah, there's, there's definitely some stuff that is dated. Um, and that and that happens. Like, I usually with every other zine I've done, the turnaround time has been relatively quick. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a burn, but at the same time, it's like, the, the thought of a zine too is like, in what way are you preserving, like, it sounds like preserving hard form. I don't really know if people super care about timeliness. Um, I think it depends if it's like an interview, obviously, they care, but if it's like a couple of write ups with friends, like a write up, I've done like that stuff should be somewhat timeless. Um, 
So like the the fan interview, like at this point, I have to reach out to a couple of us thinking about that today and be like, do you still want to do this? Because if you do, maybe we need to change some of those questions because that's already happening whatever it is. Yeah, I've definitely been in that situation where I like purposely asked. Um, like this is when I was doing the 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 email stuff. Still, I purposely asked like you know stuff like you know pertaining to like um, a fest that the band was like traveling to or a record that had just dropped, and I was just like you know waiting for yeah. them to get back to me. And then it kind of got to the point where I was yeah. like, okay, like I don't even want them to get back to me because I'm going to be stuck with like <laughs> yeah, people aren't going to want to be reading <laughs> about. Even, yeah, who wants to read it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that so. Is, that is definitely hard. Like, that is a, a pain for sure. Which yeah. is why it's nice too. Like, I mean, even with your questions that you do in the podcast, like, if you can keep it more open ended and keep it conversational, I feel like you're able to avoid kind of like those questions that have a specific timestamp. But it's like, kind of, if a band wants to talk about like the new release or like if you want to, it's hard not to, but like you're saying, get an email back. Four months later, like, well, fuck that out. Yeah, so, and it's like, um, it's kind of a bummer, too, because I was like, oh, like, that could have been so cool for kids to, like, you know, read, like, what you guys were, like, thinking about, like, you know, driving down to whatever fest or just, like, you know, just anything. Or even, like, the reading of that record and the now it's out. That'd be so cool for people to know, like, when it came out, what the writing was like. Yeah, and I... Um, there's actually... Go, ahead. go ahead. No, you're fine. No, I was going to say, like, in, there's, like, a, a point in case of this, too, is, like, I... Shoot, I think it was last year. Uh, at the, there's a fest in Chicago called The Rumble. Okay. Uh, and, and Magnitude played, and I um, got to hang out with those dudes the day after. We just kind of, like, you know, went to get brunch and drink lots of coffee and just kind of, like, hung out. Um, and then afterwards, like on the way home, I was like, fuck, that's the perfect kind of like day where I would just love to kind of like, you know, really recap on it. Just like, cause we, we ended up talking about like the new record before it came out and like the writing process, but it was all like casual conversation. It wasn't like I'm interviewing. And so I hit them up and I was like, would you guys be okay with me kind of like in my own words, summarizing like some of the day and some of the conversation and they were all okay with it. And I started it you know, maybe a month or two after when it was fresh in my mind, but now it's like, I haven't finished. I don't know if I can go back because like, I could fuck it up and not actually write like what we had talked about explicitly, which is a huge bummer. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta, you know, strike while the iron's hot. 100%. Yeah. But now, but I, I definitely get that. And like, I try to just keep this like, you know, podcast, like whenever I have anybody on just is uh, just like, is like, like, you know, obviously like I want it to be casual, but like I, I want it to be as like normal as possible because I don't want like, you know, yeah, people yeah. like coming into it thinking that like we had like, you know, X amount of topics like ready to go, ready to talk about. Like for me, there's obviously like key things that like I want to talk about and I just try to you know, just navigate the conversation and try to get there as like, mm-hmm. you know, natural as possible instead of just kind of like forcing things. Yeah, that is, it makes for a much better listen. And, yeah. and read. Because <laughs> it's more natural human. Yeah. And I feel like it's more fun that way. Cause that's, that's what I love to listen to when I t- like tune into my favorite podcast. And I just love how just the, 
normal casual conversation can just kind of lead to you know anywhere and so uh, yeah, you know exactly. and at some point we'll you know hopefully get to where i want to get to but if not like you know whatever like i'm pretty sure the conversation like yeah. is, you know isn't that bad and it current and sometimes it turns it out to be out. you know yeah. it turns out to some uh, to be something great you know things that aren't scripted yeah and i, and I think too like it's really cool with podcasts especially this no, you know, the background of the band and like how people get started, just again, like the natural conversation also humanizes the people that are doing these things. I think it's really important for people to be like, any fucking person can do this. It just takes a lot of work. And so it's cool to hear like when a band's like, you know, we started because of this, and like we're just two friends that wanted to get together again or whatever. So it's cool to have that, that like, additional aspect to it. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people um, that participate in hardcore sometimes think that, uh, you know, them like seeing the bands play or, you know, reading other people's zines. Sometimes they think that that stuff is like so far out of reach when in reality yeah. it isn't. You just got to kind of just go for it and just try to put some effort into making things happen. And like a lot of people yeah. will be surprised that, you know, they could do a lot more if they actually tried. Totally. And, and I think it's really important too for like younger kids to hear in the future like people can just continue to do this and you know, build and build and have people like want to, to be creative and do new things. Yeah, I, I always stress that, you know, that they're a really important component to all this because we, the people who've been here were all, you know, constantly aging and growing old and um, you know, eventually we're going to, you know, die or whatever, you know, become too old to, you know, be jumping around <laughs> on stage. So it's like yeah. the, the younger kids who come in, they're the, they're the ones who are going to have to, you know, take control and, you know, keep this thing alive. Yeah, for sure. It's cool because I think like, I don't know, younger people or younger hardcore kids or whatever it is, like they definitely know their way and like navigate the scene in a very different way than I do. Um, which is cool because, like, it feels like it just continues. We feel old and stand up. It's like, you know, things like social media, as much as sometimes I'm like, this shit's fucking terrible. Like, I'm addicted to Instagram, like, whatever it is. Like, I wouldn't be able to do half the shit I do if I didn't have some, like, an Instagram account where I can, you know, post or boost a band or whatever. It's so it's cool to see, like, people using those platforms. But at the same time, like, you're saying, like, I, you don't want things like a DIY zine that's, like, something you can tangibly hold kind of die down, which is, um, something that seems to happen even with music too it's like everything can be streaming as digital which is super awesome and great to give people those options but at the same time it's like you know I, I love the tangibility of something like a tape or a record or a CD yeah and as wild as the internet is it, it definitely has opened up like a lot of doors for me to be able to check out bands from different parts of like yeah. you know the, the u.s and uh get a view of the different scenes because growing up uh for me i was like right before like the internet became like uh, like a thing like like myspace and all that stuff was just starting to mm -hmm. take off so yeah i would just listen to the bands in my area and then you know we'd have to watch like the the hellfest dvds to see what yeah. other scenes were like and just kind of like you know hope to maybe one day be able to see that because i was like yeah. i was like i got into this at like you know 14 years years old and never thought i would get to see or do half the things that i've done because yeah. of like you know discovering things on the internet yeah well i like vividly vividly remember just being like 
having dial up at home where I lived, which was all which was already shitty, but like even shittier just because of like where we lived. But trying to wait, like you know, loading fucking before I left for school, loading on Napster, like a normal album to download, and like coming home after a full day of work of school, like it not even be done yet, and like waiting for it to come to come to fruition, like to finally be like, oh, download it or whatever it was, which is insane. Um, which is, which is totally cool. Like I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, um, and I was telling him like, "Your most precious blood was one of those bands that I got into like when I first started getting into like hardcore that I absolutely fucking loved. I definitely remember just waiting and waiting for like that to download it, and then like on that or whatever it was, and still being into it at the age of fucking thirty four is insanely cool." Yeah, it was definitely a struggle city way back then, which is yeah. so crazy because think about it now. We can li- like literally pull out our phone and get access to like any record or any band we want to listen to, whether it be on like the streaming services, YouTube, Bandcamp, like whatever. It's it's all out there like at, like, you know, like our cell phones just ready. Yeah, it happened immediately, which is crazy. Which yeah. I can't complain about because, like, like, to your point, it definitely has opened up the opportunity to check out, like, like a lot more stuff, but also, like, a varying degree of music, too, because it's not just, like... Because you, when you go to the record store, it's like, you've got to commit, you know what I mean? So it's like, if I'm going and I'm into hardcore, I'm only going to buy a hardcore record versus, like, now it's like, oh, there's this weird, like, dark frog metal band that has a good album I can download it and not have to fucking worry about it or whatever you know and check it out like, I, I like what I've been liking and then just start immediately and do you remember um, they used to do it at like certain like record stores where you could like go and sit down and like preview like the CD before you bought it the best the best there's a really good record store actually called Twisted Shout um, and it's like a huge spot and I love doing that and I love it. you can even do that I remember you could do that with like you can even do that sometimes. I think with like the elves that are open, you can go and like actually put it on a player and put it on the headphones, and, like sit and listen to it. But yeah, what a wild experience to think about. Like, I don't know, you can go into the mall and go into a store like Sam Goody, and like on the wall, there's like a CD rack on the headphones, pressing the numbers like the record you want to listen to, and, like stand there awkwardly listening to the Austin Pretty Fly for White Guy for way too long. Yeah, that's such a trip because now, like, I um, walk into a Barnes and Noble and it's like they got rid of their CD section. Um, they turned it into like a uh, like tabletop games, like Monopoly and stuff. Oh shit! Whoa, weird. Yeah. Yeah, super strange. Like they don't sell um, like DVDs or CDs anymore. Yeah, they, yeah. They got like they just pulled that whole section to me, which is like so strange because I, I remember um, like walking through there and seeing it like you know always being packed, like people shopping for that stuff. But now like. Towards yeah. the end of it, it was just like a ghost town because nobody was really out there buying like DVDs or CDs in Barnes and Noble. I mean, even fuck, dude, even even books, right? Like <laughs> Barnes and Noble in and of itself is probably honestly now you know a ton of them closed down. Well, I, I feel like they kind of um, uh, went and started to try to like keep up with the times because they came out with their own tablet. I can't remember if, if they're the uh, okay. I, are, are they Kindle or are they? Um, I, I can't remember. Yeah, it might be. I feel like I did. I feel like I have gone into one where they even have like a 
like a table or area where you can like buy a Kindle or whatever and like download books. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah, for, for me, like the only like things that I actually collect are comic books. So I okay. feel like like that's not really going anywhere, even though they have gone yeah, yeah. and done a big push like in the digital market, which is something digital, that yeah. I haven't gotten behind, uh, which is weird because I buy all my video games, like movies, all digital. But it's like the comic books okay. I just can't let go of. It's just not the same for comics. I feel like I. I I've tried to do digital for comics a couple of years ago, but even just like maneuvering the panels and that itself, it's like, it just doesn't, you know, obviously doesn't feel the same. Yeah. And like reading it on my phone isn't ideal. Like maybe if I had an iPad, it would be, yeah, I guess yeah. like a little more comfortable, but yeah, like sometimes they'll like, um, they'll like it'll either be like too like zoomed in or they'll yeah. like try to zoom it out and they'll have like uh just too much going on i don't know. I, I i don't feel like it's there yet yeah yeah what uh what books do you read currently i i stopped reading comics like actually through the search so they started doing records with all the money that i was at once spending on comics is now like going towards records but okay um like i'm like a huge daredevil fan so right okay. yeah so right now um daredevil is being written by this guy named chip zadarsky and um okay. yeah and he, he's like uh like honestly I, I feel like he's like a little more well known for like his like comedic stuff and like his art so for him to take on the um writing role of uh daredevil who's like a little more serious character like going into the book yeah, yeah. I, I was like a little like weary i was like damn it like we've had like such a good string of writers on this book like i don't want him to come in and ruin it but yeah but we're like i think like 13 or 14 issues in and he's done an okay, amazing wow. job like he's like surprised me and like i'm like a legit fan of his now because of his writing on daredevil that's really cool. There was a, I was reading a Daredevil book. I don't know who wrote it before this person. Oh, so before Chip, it was this guy named Charles Sewell. Okay, okay. I did read some of that, I think. And then they introduced like that new character from, I think it was from Chinatown. He'd like be invisible. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you're talking about his sidekick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that was that writer, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then. There was one. There was one like mini series before that that I absolutely loved. It was only like maybe eight issues. I can't remember now who it was. Oh, I'll have to look it up. But okay. Yeah, Daredevil was a was a good read. Yeah, he, like um, for me, I, I just uh, and I don't even know why I'm so fascinated by him because like he's like obviously like a superhero, but he doesn't have like crazy powers or anything. I, I think I just like the fact that um, he's like more human than super, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's gritty too. You know, it's oh, a little resized, and even just the art too. Like if the, if the artist can match the tone really well, it feels just really cool. Yeah, for sure. Because like my biggest pet peeve is like when I open a book and see like the the internal art just like really nasty and just not really something that's like pleasing to look at. If it's just like ugly, it's just like really hard for me to like read. Like honestly, like most times like I'll drop the book if the art's really bad. Yeah, I, I'm 100% the same way. <laughs> but did you ever watch the um, Daredevil Netflix series? I did. I think I, I ended up not finishing, I think, the last season that came out for whatever reason, just, like, kind of dropped off. But 
I, I liked it. Like the ones that I did watch, I thought were really well done. Yeah, I, I feel like that show set like the new standard for like comic book TV shows. Oh yeah, for sure. Did you were you into the Jessica Jones ones at all? Jessica Jones is actually like my favorite one out of like all the Marvel Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those those are awesome. I absolutely love that. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like I met Kristen Ritter at Disneyland, and this was like, yeah, this was like after season one had already come out. So I, I was like a like already like a like I was a huge fan of the character to begin with because of the guy who yeah, created yeah. her. I'm like he's like my favorite comic writer, Brian Michael Bendis. But um, yeah, okay, but um, but yeah, but seeing like basically like the real life Jessica Jones in Disneyland, it was like crazy to me. And um, she was like really nice. She actually like stopped and because like she was like in like a, a, a group of like eight people and she was like at the back Whoa. of the group and I like yelled her name and she like stopped and like waved. But like her group wasn't really paying attention. So they kept walking <laughs> and she stayed behind. And I just went up to her and I just told her that I was like a fan of her from uh, she's out of my league. And obviously, like, I loved her and Jessica Jones. And she was like super nice and like really, you know, just pleasant to talk to. And then we like took a picture and um, and and I I just told her it was nice meeting her. And I didn't want to like go in for a hug or anything just because she's like famous. And I didn't want to like, you know, make her feel weird. So I like I went to give her like a firm handshake and she like acted like I hurt her she was like ow and like I like pulled back so fast and I was like freaking out and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry like I'm so sorry and she kind of like looked at me and like smirked and just turned around and just like caught up with her party so like she was definitely dude, messing with awesome. me. Yeah, she was like messing with me, but I was like, oh. I was like, dude, that was like the coolest interaction. She was so nice. And the whole time we were talking, we took the picture. Like nobody around in Disneyland like even cared. It was just like this weird, like, like yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like just like this weird, like personal thing. We just like talked. It was cool. And then we just went our separate ways. And like there was no like big commotion, no line formed to take pictures with her. People just like, you know, just ignored it, which I thought yeah. was so cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, she that's a that's another really good example of like the personification she she did for Jessica Jones just seems so fitting to you know, like a good character for a very good actress for that role yeah she she definitely killed it and it just it still it still bums me out to this day that all those shows got canceled dude yeah that's so weird yeah I well it was maybe, all maybe it's my phone i didn't i didn't finish watching it <laughs> It was all because of, uh, you know, Disney Plus and, you know, all, so it's like some internal conflict, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is... Dis- one, one day. Yeah. I would love it, but I just feel like time's just like running out because those those castings were so perfect. So to try to recreate yep. it now is just like, uh, which wouldn't be the same. I feel like they just should have yeah, yeah. like kept it going and it would have been amazing. But the fact that it just like abruptly ended, it's just like, all right, like let's just leave it alone. Yeah. And, and if you have to jump ship to go from Netflix to like another streaming platform, I'm sure you lose like, you know, however many viewers because it's like, well, I'm not going to get Disney plus just to watch Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think that Disney Plus would want to put out the same kind of content that the Netflix yeah, yeah. platform was. Netflix was, yeah. Sure. So, 
but yeah, I have access to Disney Plus because of one of my best friends that gave me his login. But I'm just like so um, horrible, and all I want want to watch is Brink. Watch what? Brink. Brink. Yeah. What the, is the, that? Uh, it's that rollerblading movie. Oh, okay. Have you I've ever seen, seen it? it? You've never seen Brink? No. I don't think I've even heard of that. No. It was um it, it was a uh, for a while Disney um like it was like a monthly thing Disney had um they, they called it like a Disney Channel original movie. So it, it wasn't okay. like a you know like a like a top tier Disney movie, but it was just like a yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. TV quality movie. But some of them were actually like really good. And like growing up, that was like some things that I would look forward to is these like Disney Channel original movies. And uh, Brink was like, yeah, it was like just, just like feel good story about these like rollerbladers. And they had to deal with like some conflict. Interesting. Yeah. The things the things we remember. Yeah, I'm so surprised. Like, honestly, I think you're the first person like that's around my age that has never heard of Brink. Yeah, I also growing up like we lived again, like we lived south of the city, so we lived in the mountains, and so we never had like the TV reception, and we never owned cable. Like oh, my parents don't. Okay. My parents still don't own cable, and still do not have Wi-Fi. Wow, that's strange. Yeah. Even like, like okay, yeah, not even having Wi Fi. To not even have Wi Fi. Like my dad has like a mobile hotspot because he he like is driving all the time because he works, and so like that's the only internet access he has. Like they don't have Wi Fi. It's insane. Yeah. So is. growing up, I like I feel like I missed out again on like so many <laughs> so many things. Yeah. Well, it all makes sense now. Because I uh, feel hence like hence the reading, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have Disney Plus or are you a fan of Disney? I do have Disney Plus now. I have a daughter, and so um, <laughs> I was struggling into getting Disney Plus because we needed to watch Frozen one again before Frozen two came out. So we got Disney Plus. Okay. Well, um, is, is she old enough to understand Frozen? Yes. Okay, well, I feel like get your wife. The get brink, your the brink is now going to be on my list. <laughs> yes, you guys are gonna have a family movie night, and it has to be Brink. <laughs> it, it's it's so good, and like I, I'm not even a fan of like rollerblading, but I, I just love the movie. Dude, roller like uh, again a little bit of a tangent, but like when Mighty Ducks came out, rollerblading was the only thing I wanted to do. I was like, okay, this. this is so cool. Wow, that's awesome. So, so maybe I'll love Brink. Maybe. Maybe it'll be this movie where you're just like, wow, how did I miss this for so long? It's so good. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, going back, have you guys gone out and seen Frozen 2? We did. We, we went on uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Did you like Frozen 1? I did. I I mean, I liked it enough to have to watch it multiple times. So. Um, it wasn't bad. I liked it. I don't know if I loved Frozen too. Really, honestly, I I like Frozen. I I felt like okay. story wise, the second one was better. Okay, interesting. I felt like it was like really drawn out to like one situation, if that makes sense. But it was cool because they, they. It's weird because we're talking about Frozen too, but I was like, I feel like they explored the characters a lot more. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, the the fact that they um uh you know let uh Christoph kind of be like vulnerable and like him kind of exactly, chasing his yeah. love, which is like not normal because yeah. normally they, they put like the female characters in that position. They don't really show like male characters in that light. Yeah, dude, they did actually. I will shout out Disney because I feel like they dropped it at the perfect time too. Because like, I mean, spoiler alert: if you're listening to this and haven't seen Frozen too, but um, the history of the of the grandfather. Yeah. Right, and and you see the statue of when he, you know, has killed like almost like the native leader. It's like, yo, fucking Disney just went on a fucking social justice warrior on us and told us what actually happened at Thanksgiving. Yeah, that is not some you know happy go lucky tradition. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's not the fucking Eurocentric view where like there's the savior colonial, but instead it's like the colonists came and he actually took over native land was a fucking backstabber. And it's like, all right, I like this movie now. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and the fact that, you know, the granddaughters were like, damn it. Like our, our grandpa was the villain. Like we got to make things right. Yeah. I, I thought yeah, that was like, 100%. you know, good on that on their part. Cause they could easily try to yeah. like cover it up. For sure. So it was good timing. Like, Seeing the day after Thanksgiving, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> my mind is blown by frozen shoes." Yeah, it's like I feel like sometimes Disney does that. They'll like you know put out these like quote unquote kids movies, but watching it as an adult, you're like, "Wow, there's like some serious like message like behind all this." Yeah, yeah, they've definitely gotten better because at, at first, for a while, it was like they're all questionable characters and accents that you are incorporating into your film. But I feel like they've obviously grown a little bit with the time, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch uh, the movie Inside Out? I didn't see Inside Out. Okay, because uh, that one was pretty interesting. Do you recommend? Be- is that like, am I going free and then Inside <laughs> Out on a movie night? Yes, that wouldn't be a bad move because... It- like yeah, Inside Out's like a kid movie, but they kind of like touch on like mental health, and it's um, okay, pretty. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I they had that preview for like the same kind of like thing, which was was called Soul. Okay, yeah, I I, I saw right? that preview. Like, yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, that looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, because that was made by the people who did Inside Out, did. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, some other movie. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah. Uh, and again, be, listeners, this is Inside Out, the Disney movie, not Inside Out, uh, the band. The band, just yeah. Just clarifying, because you're jumping in at this point, yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, sometimes I, I think about that band, Inside Out, and, you know, we've been around long enough to see so many bands, like, get back together. I, I'm always curious about them. I'm just like, man, because it seems kind of, like, far out of reach, but, you know, maybe some yeah. things could align and they'll say F it and do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know there was at the, were you at Sound Fury this summer? Yes, I was. Okay, yeah. There was, there was talk that uh, Pat had asked Zach to come out to do an Inside Out cover. Um, and I, I, it sounded like it was going to happen, but I think Zach had like, some other prior obligation. I don't know if this is all hearsay necessarily, but I think that might have been the closest to an Inside Out-ish reunion. Dang, that would have been cool because uh, yeah, one step closer uh, did uh, that Inside Out cover, yeah, yeah, and the whole room just went nuts, and I was just like, man, this is so awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, one step closer is a fucking great band. 
definitely. I, I feel like uh, just their sound and just the way they're doing it, like so cool. And just like that, that full US they did with like anxious, I thought was just amazing. Yeah. yeah. It that very rarely happens, I think, these days for especially younger bands to do a full US, which is cool. Touring is hard, man. But I definitely I definitely understand when people are like, we're only doing the weekends or the weekends, but it, it is it's a bummer though because like, you know, obviously living in the Midwest, but <laughs> definitely get the setup a little bit. So it's cool like when you Kulu and Candy and Roll through here, like it was kind of a big deal for those bands that to come out to Chicago. Yeah, I get that, and um, like my views like a little skewed because uh, where I'm at in Southern California, I feel like every band tries to come through here at some point. So there's never really yeah, been yeah. like a shortage of shows, and obviously, like there are people down here who are working hard. So I would like, and like in no way am I like you know trying to like you know like take away credit from them because there are hardworking promoters out here to you know keep this stuff going. So shout out to all of them. Yeah, but um, yeah. this kind of is like a destination spot yeah yeah and yeah promoting and booking shows is a, is a is a tough gig too so it's like that also makes it even more difficult too where it's like because it's like bands maybe want to come to the midwest or whatever it is and it's like can't find a spot or can't find somebody to solidly book the show and so it's like i'm really not going to make that drive or that commitment because it's quite a ways out and with no like full guarantee of even a venue it's like well we can play somewhere kind of closer yeah, like I, I reached out to um, a record label, which I'm not going to name on air, but I, I reached out to a, a record yeah. label to try to have some of their bands from th- uh, from a certain region. Uh, I, I won't get too specific <laughs> to come out west because I, I felt like, um, well, obviously, like I'm a fan of what they're doing and I love the bands that they have. And that's why like, I, I hit them up like asking like, what could we do to kind of do like a showcase on the West coast? Because I feel like a lot of kids would enjoy that. It'd be like cool exposure oh, for yeah. the, for the bands that haven't been out here yet. Um, but it, I don't think it really went anywhere because I don't think they took me that serious, which kind of bummed me out because mm-hmm. I was like, no, like I'm serious. Like I got like, you know, these, like promoters who I know who are willing to, you know, help out, like, you know, just like, let's just figure it out. Like, what's the cost going to be like, let's do it. But, um, I I don't think they're too into it and it kind of bummed me out because I was like, damn it. Like, I just want to make this happen, but I get it. It's just like, you know, me hitting them up and like, I've never booked a show or done anything like that. So obviously they're skeptical, but it's just like, you know, come on, like, let's take a chance. I'm not going to try to like screw you guys. Like, I don't not, I don't want any profit. I just want to get the bands out here and like, you know, help them grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's like, a lot of bands are, you know, to their credit, too, like, totally fine being regional just because it's also just easier for the band. Again, like, that was a big reason why I did the Zeno, which like, kind of sort of bands. When you're in a band, you're like, five different people's time tables. So it's like, three people out of the school, one person, and fucking families, you know, they have a family. It's like, well, we're only going to play. <laughs> X, X amount of hours away from here, which you know, for some days it really, really does work, and for others it's like it's a bummer that people can't also enjoy like the live show or whatever it is. Yeah. And sometimes like, I get uh, jealous because there are those bands that tend just to be regional, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wish cause like I'll, I'll see flyers and I was like, man, it'd be so cool to be there yeah. just to like catch like yeah, that yeah. band on like that, that wave of them just kind of like bursting out onto the scene. 
Yeah. Right. But it's all right. Crazy. I guess, I guess it's, uh, and like, obviously like I try to you know do the best that I can because with my normal job, I can only get so much time off and I, have okay. obviously like I love hardcore. Um, it's, it's a big part of my life, but there's definitely other things that I do too, like outside of hardcore. So I can't yeah, just yeah. travel all the time for it, which uh, yeah. I, I definitely make my best effort. Like I'm going out to FYA in January, which is oh, going to okay, be, cool. okay. yeah, which will be fun because it's, it's my first time going to, to that fest. So I'm definitely looking forward to experiencing it That's for the cool. first time. Yeah. I've heard it has yeah, just the lineup is like super awesome, and the people working behind it are just like really like legit and care about the scene and do a really good job like curating a lineup of bands for like the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, and contemporary too, so it's not just all you know like Canadian band or whatever it is. It's really good. Yeah, which I, I feel like some people are like i don't want to say afraid but i feel like just some people aren't like as down to you know take a chance on some bands you know yeah i think uh, yeah it's like again too like for fest fest goers or fest people like sometimes it is just like i'm gonna go to these three big shows a year and so it's like for it to be a reunion reunion band to get me out is like cool but you know for people that go to shows often it's like I would like to see maybe one or two reunion bands. I'm definitely down just to see bands like A, don't get to see that often, or B, like younger, like you said, like exploding onto the scene and bringing like more hype and like, you know, fan base with them is just really cool. Yeah, I, I definitely wish more bands and I, and I don't even know how it works either because like obviously i don't book any of these fests so it's just like yeah. um yeah, i don't know no, if it's just yeah. like <laughs> new bands aren't like reaching out trying to put themselves out there because like i don't know if they're like embarrassed to like get rejected which i definitely get because dude even like me t- to this day like i'll still reach out to people and you know I'll, i still get ignored like, yeah. Hope. Yeah, yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah. and and i get it like um, not everybody wants to do this not everybody wants to support or you know sit here and talk with me for hours which is totally fine but like you know for <laughs> me just being such a fan of hardcore for bands that i like like i'm gonna reach out worst case i get ignored cool it's happened before but best case you know they end up here you know end up like you we're sitting here talking about the things that we love it's, it's awesome so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it is a gamble. I, I would assume too, it's definitely a gamble on the promoter's side to be like, well, I can get these three new bands that might guarantee me like 20 people coming versus, you know, just one reunion band or one older, bigger band or whatever it is, that like guaranteed a hundred people or whatever. So it's like, you got to find a balance, which is cool that people shout out to people that do fest. Cause I can only imagine what kind of fucking headache that is. And also shout out to the people that still book like, the DIY like basement shows and stuff. But I think you need both. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we definitely, um, need like the DIY stuff and people willing to take chances on the newer bands. But I, I think there could be a fest. Um, and maybe there has been, I can't think off the top of my head, but like a, a fest with like no reunions. I feel like that's easy. There's so many yeah, yeah. good bands that are there's out right now band. that could easily fill that, you know, top billing yeah. that could be that draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No offense. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, 
I, I'm not like the biggest fan of reunions these days, especially because I, I, you know, for like us, like we've been around for so long. So some of these reunions don't feel that special to me because I've experienced it already. And I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. it's taking away the shine of like, you know, some of the, like the current bands. Um, yeah. But who knows? I don't know. Or maybe they're just not getting the reunion bands. I want to see somebody, somebody book righteous <laughs> jams and just get me to shut up. Just do righteous <laughs> jams. And I'll, I'll never talk about um, reunions again. Reunions again. Yeah. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a throwback one too. Yeah. And I, I always like beat myself up over, uh, cause I, and, uh, if I remember correctly, it was 2006, they were on uh, a tour with uh, Donnie Brook cause Donnie Brook was touring on, uh, lions in this game and Rides James okay. played um, in Corona, California. They played it at the showcase. My, uh, or I had worked that night and I was too scared to call off. I was like 16 or 15, I was like 15 or 16. And, and like, I was scared to call off of work because I didn't want to get fired because I thought it'd be the end of like the world. So I was like, no, like I, I have to go to work. Um, but the next day they were playing, uh, down towards San Diego at this, uh, place called, um, San Marcos. I can't remember the name of the venue, but they're playing in San Marcos and my buddy Eli was supposed to drive, but then he got like food poisoning. So I couldn't oh, go yeah. because I didn't drive at the time. So I, I just missed them. It was terrible. And I, I always like get so bummed when I think about it because like I was around, I was going to go, but it just didn't work out. And then they just never came yeah. back. Dude, that's, yeah, that, that sucks when that happens. <laughs> Righteous Jams will be your, your forever band where it's like stuck in this ember of like, I could have gone, wasn't able to go. It's funny. It's like, uh, I, I love Bitter End a ton. Okay. But I've I've never seen them. What really? Like, like I know, we, like really, I love I love the show of them. I have okay. for such a long time, but I've never seen them. Because wow. again, like when I lived in Seattle, I don't think they ever toured to Seattle, to my knowledge, unless I somehow missed it. And then in New York, they did play once. I remember they played Black and Blue Bowl, but I was running late, and I think they played like really early, so I missed their set one year. Like weird, weird shit like that. And then obviously they haven't played in fucking you know however long either so that's a band where it's like i wish i had seen them maybe when i had the chance sometime but i just never have yeah you gotta get to ldb yeah I, that's what i was that's what i was saying <laughs> i was like i need to drive to ldb this year yeah that, that that's the move <laughs> yeah I, I, mean, it, I think there might be people from chicago going so if you're from chicago and you listen to this uh let's drive because i don't want to make the drive alone Okay. All right. I'll uh, text the guys from Karma and try to have them take you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's so funny. Is like I, I don't know those dudes personally, like one on one. I've never like interacted or, or met, or, like spoken with them. Okay. But obviously, I know them from shows and shit. Um, but my friend's band just, uh, or my my friend from New York went to go see Reserving Dirt Naps, and then his friends with the dudes from Reserving Dirt Naps, and he was hanging out with the Karma dudes afterwards, and he was like they're the biggest sweethearts. And I was like, I've never actually like formally introduced myself, but I, I know them obviously, but um, yeah. So shout out to those dudes and you can, we can talk sometime soon. Damn. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you should introduce yourself to them because I had uh, the the singer and the guitar player on, on the podcast, uh, Jordan and Andrew, mm-hmm. and they, yeah, yeah. they were awesome. They, they were fun to talk to. So I, I, I don't see why you guys shouldn't know each other, especially being from the same area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Again, like we've, we've obviously overlapped, like I've seen them at shows and 
Jordan is huge, so he's like very hard to miss. <laughs> yeah, big dude. But, yeah, very big dude. All right. Uh, well, hopefully you can get out to LDB to see Bitter End because, yeah, it, it, it's strange to me. Um, uh, like, obviously, like, I don't know their situation because I, I don't know them personally and never talked to them. But uh, yeah, yeah. They, they've definitely slowed down as a band, which is kind of a bummer. A ton, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. like, well, maybe they'll drop our record. That'd be awesome. Cause yeah. I can't remember the first time I saw them. If it was at Sound and Fury, or maybe it was a Sound and Fury after show. I can't remember, but I've yeah, seen them. That's like that's the thing too. Like I, I probably I feel like maybe I had seen them at Sound and Fury because they've had. Have they played many Sound and Fury? Yeah, I think they played like at least like okay. three. Okay, I feel like I maybe I've seen them, but you know, I, at the time maybe I wasn't like super into. It. I just missed them somehow. But. Okay. Wait, so um which Sound and Furious have you been out to? Ooh, um God, again, years are terrible. Is the Alpine that was a venue, is that correct? Yeah, yep, the Alpine classic. That's, that's a throwback. Okay, I think I went to the Alpine maybe two years. Okay. I definitely remember uh a very good Iron Age set. And okay. I believe that was at the Alpine. Yeah, that, that was really good. It was a, it was a, it was really good. Uh, I think it was a go it alone set. It was really good that year. Uh, One hundred eight played at the Alpine. I think that was the same year I went. That sure, that set was really great. Um, so I think I went to the Alpine twice, and then I went. Was it the summer of '09? Was the last one at that big venue? No, um, oh nine was like um at a really weird venue in Oxnard. It was the only time they ever had it at that spot. I can't remember the name. Okay, it was it was whatever year there was the motorcycle incident. That was the the year I was that year because I was out on tour with Big Two Men, and so they were playing the show then. That was twenty ten. Okay, twenty yeah, twenty ten. That sounds right. Yep. So twenty ten, and then I recently went. That I hadn't gone at all since it like revamped and then I went this last summer. Oh, you were there in last year or yeah. the, the, this past summer. Yeah. That's crazy. We could have crossed yeah, paths. Yeah. It was like, I know it's, it's so cool. It like, I had friends that said they were going to go, but nobody ended up going. And then rarely last minute, some other friends from New York were like, we're going to go, you can come stay with us. And so I did. And so it was a ton of fun, but I got to meet like a lot of people that I had been talking to, like, um, the dudes in sweet soul. Oh. So shout out like Ian Taylor. Uh, and Kyle, like I had never met them, but I've been talking with them. Okay. Uh, obviously, like doing sweet soul and head to well stuff. But, um, so I got to like meet them in person. Um, I got to meet, like you know, I had met Grady online from Anxious and One Step Closer, but I finally got to meet him in person. Nice guy. Love. And there was some. There was yeah, very nice dude. And then there was like the dudes in Downward um, and End on End from Oklahoma, like Drew and Sam. And a bunch of people from Oklahoma that I never met were there. So it was cool like to to be at a show but also get to meet tons of people for the first time, which is like a easy time to meet people. Yeah, because there's so many people coming like from all over just for that fest. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now, it, was, it was a good time. Did you meet any anybody that was uh not so pleasant? I don't think so. I mean to, to Whoever was like in the way, that part, like in front of me, like fuck you. But other than that, no, I don't think I ran into anybody. That's the first time I was like 
oh, you suck. It was more like, oh, shit, like, I knew you were going to be here. Let, like, let's hang out, which also, like, was really hard because it's a fest, and it was, like, very dark. So it's like, let's hang out in between sets and talk for 10 minutes. Um, but then running into friends, like, I didn't think I would see there. Like, I saw my friend Derek was there. He was just kind of like, I ended up taking a last-minute flight from Boston out, and so I got to see him and stuff. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like I know, uh, yeah, the, there's always like uh, so many people there. So it's just like I was just try to say hi to everybody that I see because there's been times where I've had friends come in from like out of state and I didn't even see them once just because there were so many people. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And it's, it's just because it's like you don't want to miss the fest for most of the time. So it's like I'll try and talk to you in between bands. And I'm like, let's maybe go across the street and get coffee or whatever it is. Yeah, but but sometimes like yeah, like and also there's so many people too. Sometimes I get like antisocial and I just don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Respect. Yeah, I'm an introvert yeah. by nature, which is hard to believe. I guess again, like a zine is the perfect thing for me. Yeah, but but I definitely but there's obviously like you know uh, certain people that I want to like reach out to and yeah say what's up but i'm not trying to like turn it into like a hangout because i understand like everybody kind of has like their own thing going on so yeah yeah okay man uh there's uh, i'm thinking about that santa fury the one in that you went to which i'm assuming is uh it was 07 because i'm looking at the poster right now and oh okay who i'm sorry blacklisted Black, yes, it was uh, uh, Blacklist is on here. 108 was on here. Uh, so 07 Bitter End played. So I'm not sure if you maybe, maybe, vaguely. Yeah. Uh, great band. But yeah, that year, and I'm like looking at the flyer right now and I'm like looking at bands like the first step. I was like, God, that band was so good. Yeah. Band's so yeah, sick. That was a good year. Yeah. And fucking, yeah, blacklisted at the height around then too. Fucking so yeah. good. Happy birthday to Blacklisted Record today. Which one is it? The, um, I'm not even sure. Uh, no one deserves to be here. What is it? Oh, fuck. I'm totally messing I'm totally messing that. I think it came out 10 years ago today. 10 years ago today? Like this exact day? I think so. Right. Yeah, no one deserves to be here. I think it's 10 years old today. That's interesting. I always think it's weird when like I'm doing this podcast and sometimes like there'll be like these like anniversary dates and like a lot of times it's like unplanned and things just kind of like happen that way, which. Yeah, I think they posted it. Makes sense. Wait, 10 years ago. 2009. So that came out. Okay. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, 2009. Crazy. Yeah. I remember when that album came out too. People were like, what is this? Yeah, that band was uh, special to me early on because I remember uh, when I was living in Palm Springs, like we rarely got shows and I've talked about this before, but um, my, my buddy Stephen Kibble mm-hmm. booked this tour. It was Blacklisted, Down to Nothing, and Cast Aside. Okay, yes. That's he, awesome. Yeah, this was like, I think like 2003 or four, okay. and 
I, I was just blown away. I was like, how, how is this show happening in Indio, California? And it's, at the time, it was this place called Rock of Fire Pizza, which was like this pizza joint that was in like this building that was like shaped like a castle. It was so strange. It was really weird. But um, th- that show has always been like special to me. And I stand by that. That show was the best show to ever happen in Palm Springs when it comes to hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. A blacklist it is just excellent band. They like definitely easily one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, it's funny it's like right before there was that seven inch that came out, Peace on Earth One stage. Like I listened to the shit out of that when I first got it. Um, and it was like right when I was kind of getting ready to graduate and leave Seattle and I was like very trepidatious about moving to the town a little bit. But there was that on on the seven inch, just like a great, great song. And Blacklist had played uh, a venue in Tacoma. Oh, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but I remember like I got to chat with George for a little bit, like afterwards. Uh, and we were just talking about like, dude, that song literally like has gotten me through like just all these weird like shifts this year. So I thank you so much for chat, chatting about it. And he was like, Yeah, that's actually a story about my ex girlfriend. Her name is Lane, and she was like leaving to do Teacher America, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "This is so fucking weird." Like, this is so funny. I love that song. Like, that's what I'm going to do. So, just kind of like a weird, fucking ominous connection. Yeah, dude. Like, imagine telling. Yeah, I couldn't imagine like telling that story and then him like talking about the same program that you're a part of. That tripped me out. Yeah, and and George just talking to me and then I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> he uh, he actually lives in Chicago. Hope I'm not like blowing his spot. No, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I was kind of worried. I was like, wait, are you going to drop his address? Like, please don't go too deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I won't go too deep. Uh, funny story though, like, I think shortly after he had moved here, I was like at Nordstrom Rack. And like, you know, I was like holding my pair of pants and we were like looking at them. And I saw this person walking and I was like, oh shit, that guy looks familiar. So I did like the, you know, like the nod. You know what I mean? Like, you see somebody you know and I like did the like, the like head nod. And I was like, oh fuck. That's George from Blacklist. And I was like, the reason it looks so familiar is I love this band. And so I got like real weird real fast and like just like walked the opposite direction. You know, um, I, I feel like yeah. if I was, I, whenever I'm in that situation, if I'm like a, a fan of the person, like I'll definitely go talk to them and, hope, and just hope that it's not awkward. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Like, re- so weird is like, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just like the context of the situation too was just like so weird. I was like, I'm at Northern Rock looking at like work pants. <laughs> Do it from blacklist Yeah, that's so crazy. Like, were either of you wearing anything that would like easily make it um, like identifiable that you're like a hardcore kid? I think I think I was wearing an integrity shirt, so that's probably also why he was like, I'm not fucking talking to this hardcore. Kid. It's like, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get punished by him. But it was like, you know, obviously talking to the first pairs, but it was like a weird, but it was like a a misconnection on Craigslist type of thing. Wow, he probably walked away thinking like, "Wow, that's the guy from uh, that that teaching program," and now he's just gonna ignore yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a little strange when you come into, uh, I guess, contact with like uh, hardcore kids that you don't really know because the interaction could be like hit or miss. Like I was at Disneyland the other day and or actually it was yesterday. I was at Disneyland and we were in line to buy popcorn and I was wearing a turnstile hoodie and this guy walking by was wearing okay. a, a Warzone hoodie and he kind of like looked over and was like happy like you know kind of gave me like this like this look of like oh shit like another hardcore kid so he um said what's up and like uh i, I like walked over and we were just like talking about hardcore which is cool i i, I like those interactions yeah, yeah. but there's definitely yeah. been times where like i've seen like somebody in like a shirt and i'll shout it out and they'll just kind of like scurry away because like i guess they just <laughs> don't want to like talk to me because maybe they think i'm just some like random weirdo yeah well, it's it's because it's not on the internet, man. Like you can't talk to me if it's not on the internet. Yeah, I I didn't send <laughs> the like, yeah, the like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy. That that's so funny though. He just randomly is in Nordstrom Rack. Huh. Yeah, I mean he he is a very he's a very reclusive dude too. So I don't I don't blame him, but it's just always like a good story to like I find the Nordstrom Rack when I was hanging out like trying a pair of uniform pants. Yeah, uh, I I kind of like like those situations. They're definitely kind of funny. I think the last like weird one that I had was um, uh, we saw uh, Todd Jones in like a Walgreens. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's oh, a good, that's a fucking great one. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, it's Todd Jones. Like, I I, I wish he would write another terror record, but then I just yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But like, he's kind of intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> like. I look at him and he's kind of intimidating. So like, I was scared to talk to him. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's somebody I probably wouldn't talk to if I ran to them. No offense yeah. Todd Jones if you're listening, but yeah, you, you can be somewhat intimidating. Yeah. But he, he writes just such good music. It's insane. Oh it's, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. He was definitely a classic. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Speaking of records, I, I, I've been meaning to ask you, how did you um, or did you even have to convince um, Rule Them All to put out their first release? <laughs> uh, it didn't take much convincing. It kind of like worked out like really well. It was like I had her, you know, I had her on Instagram. It played the demo and I really liked it. I was talking to some friends like, hey, just hit them up. And so I emailed them and they were actually getting ready to record the EP anyway. Um, and so I told him I was interested in doing a record and so it worked out and we were able to do it so I'm just like eternally grateful because it just like again a weird situation where all the stars just really seemed to align in terms of like timing too um, and the band is fucking great like really really good so it was awesome to go like have that especially the first release I feel like um, it hit really well like people are really into it and it's a band that I think I, again, like I want to make sure that the there's like variance in kind of what I'm putting out, and so that's like a perfect band where it's like it has a somewhat traditional sound, but it's very different. John life lyrics are also very different, so I just really, really loved it. Yeah, so it worked out super well. And looking at that record, because um, I don't collect records, but. I was yeah, yeah. like pretty bummed. I was like, damn it. Like I, I wish I was into buying records because I, I wanted that one just to kind of look at the zine that came with it. Yeah. Yep. We did a zine for the, for the insert. So it came out really cool. And, uh, again, like wanted to make sure we're familiar with the zine relation for the first one. So John and I were able to go through a couple of questions and then he does like a, an explanation of the songs and stuff. So it's really cool. Hmm. 
And uh, another band I wanted to ask you about is um, how did you link up with that band, Soul Blind? Oh, dude, that band is incredible. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what NMG bands are, but uh, just randomly, again, like on Instagram, friends with Sven uh, who plays guitar, and he had actually messaged me after catching um, Fake Eyes at a show in New Jersey, and I was like, dude, he's like, Fake Eyes was great, and three times we've been in, in touch since then. Um, and then they reached out to like, hey, we wanted to do something with you. And I was like, I would love to do something with you. Um, so we were able to do those two promo songs. And they're a fucking incredible song. Uh, those dudes are really, really nice too. And they have a, again, like a very unique and different sound that I love, but also like has some familiarity to it. Yeah, I, I had some friends from uh, Delaware reach out to me and tell me that I, I need to check out this band called Soul Blind. And, and I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, oh, shit, I'll, no I, way. Yeah, so like, I, I'm always like open to suggestions, obviously, because like it's hard to know everything. And they yeah, like yeah. Uh, suggested that band, and I, I listened to it. I was like, okay, this is like definitely pretty cool. And uh, they did a string of shows a couple weeks back, right? I, I can't remember exactly how long ago it yeah, was. Yeah, they, they did a tour with, um, I think it was with No Option, a couple of dates, like a weekender. Uh, not that long ago, and then they they left at that anxious release show. Um, and so they said it went really well, which is awesome for that year. It's like a, a great show. And then they'll be on tour. Uh, I think it's announced on Monday, but they'll be they'll be doing a, a little run here in January. Okay. Um, I was really stoked to see them on that flyer for that anxious show because, like, from top to bottom, yeah. it was just like such an insane lineup. Great. Yeah, that's definitely a show again. If I could be themed or teleported, I would love to have been there. Yeah, for sure. But but that's cool, man. I I, I definitely like um, look at the bands that you've put out. Uh, and I, I've had some of the bands on here before. Uh, yep, I yeah. def, I definitely like yeah. what like you guys are or what you're doing over there with this uh, new morality zine. And, and I also think it's really cool that you have a website because I, I go to the website. It's like, you know, like central hub. Everything's there. The the shop, yeah. Twitter, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram. It's it's all there. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah, thanks, man. I try to keep it as streamlined as possible, which is hard. It's like, again, like technology and all that thing is like something I'm not super good at, but trying to make it manageable and get people like this, you know, pinpoint to like, all right, from here, where can I go to check out this or where can I go to pick up this? So. Okay. Well, is there um, anything you'd want to shout out or plug before we sign off? Definitely shout out and plug uh, the newest band, or second newest band, System 74. We were talking about Florida earlier. Uh, these are some dudes from Florida. They play in a bunch of other bands like Dion and Dollar, uh, stuff like that. But definitely fucking listen to it. When I heard it, I was like, this is incredible. And it's something that I don't necessarily love to listen to. It was like more straightforward punk, but it's done really, really well, which is great. I'm super stoked. Um, and then, yeah, just just huge shout out to anybody that's ever supported the zine. Like, really, it's incredible, like we're saying, to just have people be interested in what you do. You know what I mean? That helps to want to continue to do it. So if you've ever picked up a zine, if you've ever picked up a record, just like shouted me out. I definitely appreciate it. It's, um, it's awesome to know like I can continue to do this and people are into what I do. And obviously, I cannot extend my thanks enough to all the bands. So. 
All right. Well, there you guys have it. Yeah. Uh, thank you again, Nick, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you again for uh, dealing with, uh, thank you for dealing with my schedule. Cause I, I, I flaked the first time <laughs> I apologize, yeah. but I'm happy we did no it. Worries. Okay. It works out. Yeah. I'm very happy with it also. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you guys again for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top. Thank you.